Yeah, man, what an experience that farm was. Oh, my God, man. That farm was amazing. I think, you know, for a lot of people that know me and know the like the journey that I've gone through over the past couple of years and like I've I've started to move not move away from the restaurant industry but definitely move more towards like what is the what's behind the food right right like and you know you you read Michael Pollan and you and, and you read uh you know Dan Barber and they kind of right. keep talking about you know, moving to the agricultural side. And then I started school and, you know, it's like you things get kind of like not demystified. They get murky, right? Like you're taking all these classes and you're like, what am I even going to be doing? Right. And then you go to Iron Shoe Farm. It's talk, unbelievable. We talk with Carla. We, we talk with Carla Mertz and uh, we have that on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right. But when we when I talked to her, it just like it all kind of started to fall into place. Mm-hmm. She was talking about all these, uh, you know, sub- sustainable farming like initiatives that were going on that she was able to get help from yep. people who came in and seeded her prairie. Like I could actually see myself having that job in the future. Right. right. Because that is like that's the quintessential piece of the soil. Well, it is. So cool. It was so cool. And then we talked to all the chefs and and they were getting um well they were getting publicity, they were getting an opportunity to show their creativity, but they were also getting this oppor- this like incredibly unique opportunity of working with ingredients that were grown right in front of them. Yep. You know? Yep. And not everything was from that farm, but well and to cook right on the grounds yeah. outside yeah um is I, I think a huge opportunity to start with yeah. instead of being in a kitchen like yeah. you're you're out in the elements yeah like cooking next to flies and shit yeah no <laughs> and <not>. cows <laughs> yeah <laughs> chickens right behind you yeah like it was it was pretty surreal actually that's a good word man mm-hmm. that's a good word like the yeah because you there was just this constant feeling of that surrealness yeah. the whole day yeah. even when we were eating it was just like it kind of felt like a like a like the beginning part of a scary movie where it's like everything is just too good to be true kind of thing yeah except it was just too good to be true the whole day right you know uh yeah surreal is a good word yeah no it was good yep so we interviewed steph hedrick mm-hmm. uh trey dante hardy Yep. And Scott Pampu. Uh, I believe that's the way that you pronounce your name, uh, uh, Chef Scott. Uh, that's what I heard somebody, you know, somebody say that day. I was always saying Pampoosh, but... Um, I was just saying Chef. Yeah, well, we yeah, we, we <laughs> referred to him as Chef. I'm just saying, you know, I want to make sure that his uh his name gets out there. Right, you know? right. It's kind of like when people, like, refer to me as, like, Christoph. It's like, I'm not really super upset that you got my name wrong, but, like, if you're going to do it, like, if you're going to, you know, like, if I'm in, in an article and my name is Christopher, it's like, no, that's not that's not me. Nobody's going to be able to find me. Right. Right? So, so yeah, we'll have all your information, but, yeah. They, we'll put well, links in the bottom. And he's the one who invited us to the whole thing. He is. And it really, you know, it was kind of an immaculate experience. It really was. It was an immaculate experience. I did experience. not expect... Um, actually, everything that went on, I I didn't I I thought we were just going to a farm, you know? right? And I didn't think like, oh, this is where all the ingredients come from, and we're you know cooking this food, and it's yeah coming from here, yeah. And this is how we do it. This is our soil, like yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, I didn't expect that either. I mean, I expected it. I expected it to be, you know, kind of that sustainable version of of farming, mm-hmm. right? I didn't expect it to be a bunch of corn when we got up there. Well, like it, uh, it, but the amount, like the depth of sustainability, the depth of restorative agriculture, like everything about how Carla does it up there is like my dream. Well, shit, her pantry that she's running, like, yeah. and you can get it online. We'll have all the links. Yeah, um, but. It's unbelievable. Like duck eggs. Yeah. Uh, some some brie cheese. Yeah. Like all local within yeah. like that county is is my understanding. Like it was kind of just like like right 
there yeah. in that spot. Yep. Well, they kept telling they kept telling us you guys should move up to Princeton. Yeah. And it was like it was kind of like weird to hear. You it know, was really weird. We're city we're city boys, right? And like Princeton. Yeah. Like, come it's on. Like, why Princeton? <laughs> and then it's like, oh well, this is what's going on here. This is what's it's going like on here. It's like a whole here. new freaking. Uh, whole new life up oh, there. Yeah, a movement for sure. Yeah, a movement for sure that I think um, Carla is, in many ways, the spearhead of. Yep. Which we did not know until we, we got did there. Not right. We thought we we're... actually did not know anything about Carla. Yeah. We were going there actually. I mean, to be brutally honest, we were going there for the tasting. Yep. For the chefs. Yep. Like we didn't know. Like we knew, obviously, you know, we were going to a farm. Right. And there was going to be animals. And... Right stuff but then she just blew us away blew us away i was like that is yeah i mean it's incredible i mean you'll see it in the interviews right oh yeah so we already have carla's the first part of carla's interview we do. up um this is going to be the interview with the chefs mm-hmm. um i think it just it kind of goes in line with how we're doing the show and then carla's i think it's good that carla's getting her own spotlight yep because I- it's like it's the, the, she's doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, she's like she's starting a, a processing plant, yep. right? She's and that that's how the whole tasting idea. That's what it was funding, and you know she's doing she's changing the way that she's doing farming as she learns more and more about the sustainability of it all. Mm-hmm. So she's like, yeah, she's the kingpin. She is right. She's doing Carla great. the kingpin. Yeah, right. Change your Facebook name to Carla the kingpin. It's true, because I think that'll be good. It's a great handle. Yeah. No, you don't have to do anything that we tell you because we're no. we are students. Yes. No, that, actually, that's how I felt for a lot of it. As I was a student, mm-hmm. right? Like she just was laying it all down. She taught us about you know the different breeds of pigs, the different you know oh, the different yeah. breeds of cows, and and you know there's a lot of stuff that we didn't even get to. I didn't even see the broiler chickens. I mean, I didn't see, I didn't walk over there. Yeah. But I mean, that's how much was going on everywhere else. Yeah. That I didn't even like. Well, and and then like during the tasting, they were like, "This honey is from Carla's, yeah. you know, beehive." Yeah. We're like, we didn't even. Where know. the fuck were the beehives? <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah. I would have loved to see that. Yeah. But it's like, man. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much. Yeah. I mean, and we were there for like. And she's only been doing it for seven years, and five of it farming. Yeah. So like five years, and you're you're you've already accomplished that. Like, mad props. Yeah. Kudos, man. Yeah. Hundred kudos. Yeah. I mean, that's that's ultimately my goal for my family is something like that, and that is just to see it in that that quick of time is is really cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, cool is even an understatement. I mean, it's not even the right word. Yeah. I mean fucking dope like it really is dude it's fucking <laughs> like, it's it, super sick yeah it's super sick yeah uh well i want to i want to talk a little bit about the uh about the chefs introduce them because in the interviews we get kind of down to the nitty-gritty mm-hmm. you know we we talk about the stuff that they're making we we talk about what they're uh you know what they're planning to do what their future looks like during covid um so we'll just do a quick you know just introduce the chefs that you're about to see as we interview them yeah um so our our first chef that we interviewed uh is scott pampu and he was the uh executive chef four bells that closed and then uh you know he's done a lot of stuff with farm to table in the past right like he was operating corner table and there's just there's a lot of story behind him working from that farm aspect and so he he really he really brought it there right like he was he you could tell he was in his element yep you know he sat down and when he was talking to us he was like yeah i mean this is this is kind of what I do, right? This is what I'm known for, right? Yeah, yep. I think he had some kind of pig nickname, you know? Probably. And, and that was the whole thing about Car. That was like the main thing for Carla was like kind of her pork production was like high caliber. She called it the red velvet of pork. Yep. So, um, so we had an interesting conversation with him, and he's been in the industry in Minnesota for a while. A so while. it was kind of like nice, you know. He 
he watched our episode with Rebo and he kind of played off of some of those ideas. So yep. um, yeah, it was it was nice to talk to him. And then uh, our second interview was with Steph Hedrick. Yep. And she just recently got the executive uh, executive chef position at Lynn Hall. Yes. And uh, South Mini. Yeah. <laughs> call out. <laughs> Uh, and she, you know she was she was very bubbly. She was uh, a great personality. It was a, good, it was a good interview. Yeah, I mean, it just the conversation flowed, yep. and uh, you know she, we talk about a beat aioli in in the interview, and uh, that really came out in the tasting. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think that people will enjoy her interview, and she had some interesting things to say about kind of the evolution of what her careers becoming mm-hmm. um so yeah that i think that people will enjoy that and then trey dante hardy uh i think that was a great interview oh wow it was a great interview. i mean you know i didn't really know who he was nor did i yeah i mean because he's most of what he's done has been in chicago yep right and uh you know he's worked for multiple michelin star restaurants mm-hmm. um he's well acquainted with uh, molecular gastronomy. Didn't he come up here and do heir- heirloom too? Didn't he? Didn't he spend some time at heirloom? I think he. I think he did. Yeah. 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 And then um, right now he's doing food. He's doing like the events for the Timberwolves. Yep. Right. So obviously, you know, he's not, not much going on right doing now. Doing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and that will probably continue. I mean, we don't know. You know, that um, that changes every day, right? I, I will say that his his um, his caprese that he did was fantastic. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he he called. He was like, I I shave balsamic. You know, Shaved I set balsamic. it with auger and then shave it. And we're like, okay, dude. You know? <laughs> I mean, I I I trusted him, right? But I was like, you know, it seems uh, a little intense for a caprese. It right? was perfect. It was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful. Perfect. Was, I honestly. It I liked perfect. the camembert at the end of the meal, but I think that that was my favorite bite that I had was with that shaved balsamic. Mine too. Caprese. It was Mine really too. well done. It was good. It was it was fresh. And yeah. It was just like, yep, I'm on a farm right now. Yep. 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 So, I mean, and he, uh, he talked about, well, we talked about some of the problems of the industry, right? With mental health and yep. drug addiction. And I think that's really something that we want to highlight on this show. Huge. We don't want it to all be negative and we don't want it to be depressing, but it is something to talk about, right? Like, yeah. it, you know, bringing up things like uh, Project Black and Blue and and the actual problems that are going on in the industry uh, is paramount. Mm-hmm. Paramount. Yeah, so we uh, we talked to these guys for about a half hour each, yeah. and we're gonna give we're gonna give everybody uh, fifteen minutes, you know, <laughs> and then if you want to watch more, uh, you got to sign up for the Patreon. Yep. Right, and we have multiple tiers, mm-hmm. but you can pretty much watch that at any tier, I think, except just for, about except yeah. our lowest. Yeah, just so. check check the just website check out. out, and and it all explains it on. We'll the put Patreon the links website. down below. Yeah. Um. I don't know, man. That's that. That's all I want to do for an intro because I think the rest speaks for itself. I do too. I do too, and it's a great episode. So, and they're they're great. Yeah. So I mean, let so enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. The smell of manure. Oh, it's lovely. Ah, oh, God, it's beautiful. It's you know, it's you know where your food came from. You do, or where it was. Yeah, presently aware, which is a huge problem nowadays. You know, like mm-hmm. presently, we gotta we, we gotta <laughs> teach people that they're actually eating living things, right? Living things. Right now, it's staring you in the face. It's about 20, 20 yards away. We got cows. Oh, you were just saying, do they think they know? They know who we are. Yeah, they have hundred percent know that we. We look at them as a diagram and think, that's a nice looking brisket. Yeah, right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. I bet the uh, I bet the culotte on that is nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the downside man. is though, there's what? There's two, right? Yeah. yeah Every animal. Two. I mean it's like the like that cut because that's you know, it's the new, you know, fancy cut to put on the menu, right? Right. But it's like it's like the pork tenderloin. Like it's there's two per animal. Right. And when you see, like, on a menu in a restaurant, you're like, okay, 
we just served 20 people tonight. That's 10 animals. What happened to the rest of the animal? Yeah. You know? And the downside is sitting in a freezer somewhere. Right. You know, mm-hmm. for guys like us trying to figure out, okay, what the hell can I do with Chuck? You yeah. Know, what can I do with trim? What can I, you know, how do I cut a new steak? Yeah. You know, that yeah. we can brand with a funky name and get people to, yep. you know, think, oh, this is the new thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that branding is really key. Charcuterie is really key. Um, and, and not, I think just changing the, the conversation from how can I turn this into a new cut of meat into how can I make something completely different or use it in sure. another dish sure. entirely. It's like, you know, um, like for instance, head cheese, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I tell people about head cheese, they're like, yeah. what's head cheese? Well, what do you think it's it really, is? It's really one of the most, <laughs> right. it's, it's one of my, cheese. it's not gas <laughs> cheese. It's one of my favorite things to eat. Right. And and so there's there's definitely room to do that and I think that as um as be- people become more aware that that's what they're eating. Yeah. They and then you come up with their their menu and you're like I'm using every, you know, every right. bit that I can of that animal. People will become more and more attuned to you right. cooking like that, right? Yeah. Are you going to are you going to cut in B-roll there to you pointing to the cow? <laughs> For those of you playing at home, he was pointing to the field. Of there's cows. there there's cattle. Yeah, staring at us. Well, I mean, and your comment about charcuterie is right, but the 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 thing is is that that only solves for hogs right Right, because there's you know other than bresaola nobody's really doing any you know beef charcuterie per se you know there's a there's a what is it uh who's the guy he's got his name oh jack the, the the jerky guy we yeah. won't say the brand because you know they're probably, probably we don't get kind of we, they're probably problems. not you know so we don't have the protection you know, that we need bob's rings we'll call it bob's rings jerky yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic jerky yeah fantastic <laughs> bob makes a mean jerky but um you know but other than jerky what do you do with you know beef and it, now right. everybody's dry aging but then you run into the issue of well when you dry age there's shrink there's loss there's increased price you mm-hmm. know when everybody's like well i don't want dry it's just too expensive it's like well what the hell are we gonna do? i mean everybody i mean yeah you know the burger crates right thank god for yeah. burgers but you know at the same point i don't think it's the burger craze that's messing up the cattle industry it's more the you know the old school steakhouses that always want tenderloins that always want ribeyes they only want loin right right and there's too much of that still going on that everybody wants that premium cut Mm -hmm. yeah you know what i you know what i wish people understood is that you know when an animal is you know put down every ounce of that becomes perishable and every ounce of that also becomes usable. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand is, is you know, they look at it and it's like, well, why are ribeyes so expensive? Well, the reason the ribeyes are so expensive is there's a limited number. I mean, it's the same reason, pork tenderloin. Right. You know, if three of us are going to buy a hog, you know, we're going to talk to, we're a side of beef, you know, we're looking at four, five, sometimes $7 a pound figure in processing. Maybe it's 8 $9 a pound. Well, we just paid 8 $9 a pound for a burger right and we paid eight nine dollars a pound for a ribeye right right it's all flat yeah mm-hmm. but when it gets retail and yeah. demand you know if everybody would start buying more chuck and like understand it and figure understand out how to cook it, it yeah yeah the, the economics could be shifted right but everybody's so stuck in you know and again it's you know we're here these are pastured um, you know, grass-fed animals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not even get started. Who we got coming in? Is that Darth Vader over there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> she's part of the Sith. She's an old black. Um, it's thrown off there for a second. We didn't. We didn't mention the brand, though. No, we didn't mention the brand. So the big D that can't take it down. <laughs> we'll just start disappearing. <laughs> they'll just they'll furlough it right out of our accounts. Yeah, we won't. Exactly. They won't even we call don't us. With the they won't D. even tell us what's going on. Well, it'll immediately be absorbed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, so do just, you think? Yeah. Do you think that? Uh, well, what is the chef's role there then? Like, it's whole animal, right? We we as people in the culinary industry and it's not just chefs anymore i mean yeah that's that's the the popular route to go but it's also the butcher shops it's also the school instructors it's the cooking schools it's the cooking demos it's the grocery stores right you know it's everybody's responsibility that is there for 
selling the product as a whole animal to move it equally. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, if it's if it's me in a grocery store, you should never put a sale, a sale on ribeye, New York's, um, you know, but every grocery store does it yeah. to get yeah. people in the door around grilling season. Mm-hmm. You know, what, uh, we should be taking tri-tip. You know, California knows how to do it. They use tri-tip all the time. Use Texas uses tri-tip time. all the time. Mm-hmm. But up here, we have no idea what that is. We think it's pot roast. Right. Right. I mean, I worked at a certain restaurant at a certain, you know, 20-some years ago that, you know, pot roast was king. And it was all tri-tip. And everybody's like, tri-tip, what's that? Right. You know, and it's like, they didn't even know what that was. Yeah. So, but there's, that's the responsibility. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Everybody goes to chefs and says it's restaurants, but nowadays it's everybody. Yeah. I mean, if you're cooking at home, learn how to do something other than grill. I mean, right. you guys have been in kitchens. I mean, the smartest guy is usually not the guy in the grill. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's totally that's the true. Easy that's job. the easy job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The guy over on the saute, that's he's, the, he's got, he's got thinking going on, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you does. know, but the guy in the grill, I mean, how hard is it to, you know, Flip it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, chilling. now flip it over just again. <laughs> yeah. And now and then just move it over here and we'll 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 tell you to do it again. Yeah. You know, he's got two steps, one side, you know, upside, downside. It's more difficult than that. Yeah, There's guys that are grill cooks that, you know, would probably kick my ass for that. <laughs> but anyway. Um so really it, it the, the, the responsibility thing is just look all the way up and down the animal. Pay attention all the way up and down. If somebody tells you, hey, I got a deal on ribeyes, I don't know, send it, send it to a grocery store. Let, let the weekend warriors handle the ribeyes, right. right? Or do your restaurant some good. If you are working in a restaurant and somebody gets a hold of some ribeyes, charge for it. Right. right? It mm-hmm. should be a premium. Yeah. yeah. It should absolutely be a premium. You yep. should be, if somebody, I, uh, way back, way back when, uh, I was setting prices at my own restaurant, Chardonnay was the most expensive wine on my menu. It's probably the cheapest thing I bought. Why? Why was it though? Because everybody wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point. You that's know, and, and, yeah. and, yeah. and for me, I mean, that's all you got to do. Right. right. And for me, I was more interested on the wine list of getting people to try different regions and understand subtleties and differences between the same grape in different parts of the world. But they'd always walk in and go, I'll have a Chardonnay. What do you got right. for Chardonnay? What do you got for Chardonnay? And I say, you know what I have for Chardonnay? I have a $20 glass of Chardonnay. And you're going right. to love it. Yeah. It's and, white haven. And yeah. Enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you four just paid for my dishwasher tonight. Right. Thank you. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, but that's the thing. So like, you know, if you're, if you're in a restaurant and those types of things are going, you know, and, and of course I know there's a lot of restaurants out there now that are trying to reinvent what a steakhouse is, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, Sure. I mean, I get it. Um, uh, what I've seen is some stuff going on with portion control, which I think is super important that I think restaurants and chefs, you know, are starting to really understand. You're starting to understand the economics of more a balanced plate. You know, right. maybe it's six to eight ounces tops of protein instead of the 12 to 16. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's also, uh, you know, six to eight ounces of veg. Yeah. On mm-hmm. the plate. Now that's a balanced plate and it's a good portion, but it also keeps your food costs in line. Uh, yeah, right? I agree. So. I agree. I think that there's, there's places that are doing that. And then they're also introducing, um, more usable proteins like pork and like lamb and like goat. Right. And, and that, that also plays into how you use your beef as well and how the supply chain right. reacts to the usage of beef yeah. as well. Because, you know, I, I've talked to so many people and I'm, I'm Greek, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, goat is kind of like our, our go-to meat, right? Um, however, when I talk to people, they don't, they don't even know that you can eat it. Right. Right. And I think that that is that is reflected in how we raise our our cattle in in this country it, so it really starts with the with the chef both doing the portion control but also uh, attracting people to entirely new types of of you know protein consumption yeah you know what i mean the, well and the downside that i've seen is when you do talk about when everybody goes to goat and lamb and and you know even even chicken everybody just assumes well it's supposed to be cheaper right Right. Like right. it's supposed to be less right. than beef. It's like, well, wait a minute. It, everything everything has a value. Everything yeah. has a and process. There's yeah, steps there's in the process to get it to you. I mean, I remember 
um, I was serving a, a chicken breast, $19, okay, $19 for a chicken breast. However, this was 2005. Right. Wow. So imagine that $19 in 2005 for, yeah. for a chicken breast. And I had a guy look at me and he was just like, I'm not going to pay $20 for a chicken breast. And I said, well, I, I said, I think you should because I'm buying, you know, $4 a pound chicken. Right. Right. And he was just like, well, why is it so expensive? And I said, I got a better question. Why is your chicken that you get at a grocery store so cheap? Exactly. 65 cents a pound exactly. for commodity, and right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And now now that, I mean, back then it was 65 cents a pound. Now I think the commodity stuff is at like a buck oh nine, you know, for a whole bird, yeah. uh, a wog, which oh. I always thought was just so weird. Who, who came up with wog? Yeah, it's it's... What's a take, log? It's taken Sounds on a like new a meaning <laughs> lately. So, <laughs> does it stand for something? Yeah. Anyway. Um, but he and, and of course it was the four top right, and he was he was being the loud mouth, and and it was right. another couple, Except and they're the all like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And right. his yeah. wife is like, "He's normally not like this," and I'm like, "I right. bet he's like this all the time." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, I told him he because he was giving the server a bunch of grief, and I just said, "Look," I said, "Eat it." I said, "If you're not full and you're not satisfied, I'll buy everybody's meal." but I want you to eat it. And I walked away and he ended up did he, he d- ended up eating it and you know they had dessert and he was very quiet the rest of the meal. Of course. You know, the server was like he's not talking to me. I'm going to get screwed on my tip. Right. You know, he's going to take it out on me. What have you done? So I went back again and I was just like, you know, I really hoped you enjoyed it. You know, I'm not trying to be adversarial, but I just want to un- want people to understand what food costs, you know, and the other couple's like, oh my God, we love it. You know, you're telling the story and, and the wife is like, he's never like this. He's never like this. <laughs> and so anyway, he left an awful tip, of course, but the other couple slid a little cash in there, right. made up for it. And then uh, when they were leaving, his wife kind of, you know, gave me the, you know, you know, thumbs up or whatever and, you know. We're sorry, we're sorry, we're right. sorry. We made it out without too yeah. big of a scene. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thumbs you know, up. And nowadays, yeah. it's just like that whole conversation again. I'm just like, you know, you can't walk. I mean, again, you can't walk into a place and, you know, have no shoes on. You can't walk in without your shirt on. I mean, just put a damn mask on. Go in and have your dinner and then leave and just leave it alone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, put this whole. Put a damn mask on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing, that should have been, instead of mask up, it should have been put the damn mask on. Yeah. Um, but this whole thing about, you know, when customers come in. They they think immediately. I mean, it, it's like the it's like the classic scene of like the guy walks into the room or whatever, and he's got to like start rearranging all the furniture to fit him. You know, it's just like no. I mean, you know, the restaurant industry. We set the table. We understand sight lines, flow, safety, that's, that's the distance. Job. That's you know, there's so much into setting a room, and then somebody comes in, and the first thing to do is like, oh, I want to turn the table this way. Yeah. You know, I want to. I, wanna, I like I wanna, it like this. I want to posture myself like this to show that I'm in charge. Yeah. You know, or like every well, the best one is this. Or you come in and everybody's like, you know, move that, move this, move mm-hmm. that, move, you know. Yeah. And then halfway through the meal, like, can we get a nap? You, know, you just moved them off the fucking table earlier when you right. came in. <laughs> right. But anyway. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's, there needs to be much more communication and much more understanding. Just all the way around. Yeah. Just understand. And, you know, staff needs to understand that. Some people don't give a shit about the process. Yeah. People just come yeah. in and they don't they don't Well, they don't think give a shit at all. Yeah, they don't. Well, I mean, some people do, and those are the ones, oh, oh no, I, I, I used to serve. I used to yeah, serve. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. help you. But, don't you right, love but that's those? a percentage <laughs> of that's the a, population. That's a percentage. <laughs> exactly. At best, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's like now, we talked to uh, Carla a little bit about this, but the, it's now a necessity. Yeah. It's no longer... You know, we're doing this because we're we're artists, right. or we're doing this because we want to be more creative. We're doing this because it's necessary. Yeah. And uh, totally if necessary. if you're not on board, it's yeah. it's it's time to hop off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Scott, we're gonna we're gonna cut this off, and we're gonna do. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna put the second half of this interview uh, do it. up on the Patreon. So um, do it. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, no problem. Talking to us. Yeah. Thank no you problem. for bringing us out here. It's been good. Yeah, this will be fun. Hopefully, hopefully this holds. Hey, so another another cook uh, cooking today. 
uh, or chef, I should say. Steph, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Yeah. 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 So you just started a a new position at, uh, where was it again? The Lynn Hall. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. South Minneapolis. So you're the exec now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hell yeah. Kicking it out. Mm -hmm. Doing it. Doing it. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that about that gig and and what it entails, uh, kind of post post COVID, but just in general. Oh yeah, well it's a a new world and the world is crazy, so nothing yeah. is crazy. Um, so I I was reluctant to uh, begin a new job, a new uh, adventure during this uh, COVID time. Uh, previous to that, I was the executive chef at the Women's Club in Minneapolis. Okay, yeah, and. Uh, I was asked by a couple of people to consider applying to the Lynn Hall, and um, I'm friends with the chef de cuisine, the former chef de cuisine, uh, Nettie Cologne, and uh, she's just uh, a mentor of mine and just an amazing chef, amazing person, Um, and uh, she was retiring, so I thought it um, uh, serendipitous of a sort that I would uh, attempt to Right. To take that position and run with it um, with her blessing. And it all worked out. Uh, the skill set that they were looking for, the social ethics that they were looking for, um, I checked a lot of boxes for them. And then, Sweet. you know, I was like, well, it's just an interview. But they checked a lot of boxes for me and it felt really, really good. Um, great people. Annie is amazing. Um, and uh, she's doing really good community focused work. And I think that that's kind of the key piece to making it through um, this COVID situation. Oh, is, it totally is. Yeah, being community focused and yeah. just see a need, fill a need and do whatever you got to do to... I mean, that's what all this is about right now is yeah. that people have to just... It's community. Yeah. yeah. We have yeah. to come together. Yep. It's, it's been it's been like a, a theme that's been absolutely like just blaring in our faces all day. You mm-hmm. know, it's what, definitely what we're trying to like uh, introduce with the show to people is like how community based industry can really thrive. And then this whole setup has just really like just blown our expectations out of the well, water. Well, it's an eye opener yeah. too. You know, it's like, oh yeah. my God, like, yeah. This this is the new world. Yep. Like we have to take a hold of this and yeah. we need to run with it. Yeah. You know? And and uh, and what you said about serendipity too is like you're right, this is the new world and it's yeah. absolutely beautiful and it's almost like everything just fell into place. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's a lot of positives coming out of this. And uh, there tons is. of negatives, but tons. But it it's especially as a chef, like you know, we think on our feet constantly and yeah. it's like you have to be able to pivot and you have to be able to, you know, look in the cupboard and go, you know, I can't spend another $200 on groceries. I got to, you know, make something up for dinner service right out. now and, and make it work and make it beautiful. And I think that that's coming into play in just about every aspect of mm-hmm. of life right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the people that can pivot harder and leave their egos behind are going to be the ones that survive and yeah. that look to the community and say, what do you guys want? This isn't about like the food I want to do. Well, it's not anymore. No, it's not at no. all. And that's what that's what's so great about it is that it's actually you have such a bigger perspective. I mean, it's so mm-hmm. it's, it's just better. Yeah. 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 You're, you're working kind of like with this this higher purpose you're being you're being guided instead of mm-hmm. instead of you being like the director of the play mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. you're just another actor doing what your skill set allows you to do yep right um so i i i find that interesting because you're you're actually the first chef that we've talked to today or the first person today who actually works in a restaurant right yeah. now yeah. i don't have a job yeah, yeah. i don't have a nor job. do i i mean i'm i'm out too and yeah. so i mean and, and so like when you when you come and you work at the uh, you know, and do this pop-up thing. Um, how do you see that working into like the rest of your career? Do you see mm-hmm. it as advertising, or do you see it as something separate, or mm-hmm. or do they do they just coexist really well? Yeah. Well, uh, just a touch of irony to the whole thing is that the day that I put in my notice at the women's club, they told me that they're shutting down until December. So had I not oh. gotten the gig at the Lynn Hall, I would be jobless right now. Wow. Yeah. So and it was hours it was like moments yeah and it just kind of blows my mind i feel like i'm gonna get abducted by aliens or something yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen I next mean, you made a good I move i guess <laughs> you know i mean you can't anticipate that stuff no but you i just can't. i just follow the breadcrumbs you know i i, I get the nudges do. and i just go for it so yep. um it worked out which is wild but um 
I got involved with this um, because uh, I've been longtime friends with Scott and I know that he's been out of work and um, and then I've just met Trey uh, through Scott and um, you know I, I, I am very community focused you know mm -hmm. anything I can do to hear a need and and lift people up that's what I want to do and um, job or having a job or not chefs need to cook we need to need entertain to, we need yeah. to do wild things and have a lot of fun and Scott is one of those chefs that constantly thinks outside the box so uh, doing a, a pop-up with him is a no-brainer and then Carla um, her and I have had a uh, relationship since the inception of the of the farm yeah and uh, you know, we've just worked together, networked together. And um, so she started doing these things and every idea, I don't, she, I, I don't think she sleeps. I don't know. It's, I don't know. This farm is amazing. She does so much and she's not afraid to take a risk and go, okay, so now what? Then right. could this work? And could this work? And she's calling me, you know, and going, I don't know. Do you think this could work? <laughs> like right. mm -hmm. if it was anyone else, I would say, maybe they should you know take a step back and relax for a second but it's carla and i'm like go for it because everything she does is absolutely successful and, and delicious uh her um animals and uh yeah her her so steaks and her hogs i have never in my life the hogs the fat that comes off those hogs is like liquid gold oh, like huh. if it wasn't such a gross picture i i would seriously just could drink it it's that yeah. delicious though yeah. it's mm. not heavy it's and it looks like liquid gold well she was explaining to us earlier about like the the mixed breeding and how it's like the red velvet of yeah. pork and then you know that that in itself is amazing mm -hmm. but also we got to see how the pigs live we got to see mm -hmm. you know she talked about how you can tell they're happy mm -hmm. and and how their breeding is organic and you know there's not you know there's not a bunch of ai going into it and mm -hmm. there's not a you know all these things they're they're pasture raised all these things go into the quality of that meat so mm -hmm. when you say that i fully believe it and mm -hmm. like i can't Wait. Yeah. I can't wait yeah. To taste it. I totally. It's so clean. Yeah. I mean, everything that comes off those animals is like see-through. Like yeah. it's it it's astounding. It's amazing and it's delicious. Yeah. So, yeah. And and coming out here and cooking is a no-brainer. You know, you just start with beautiful stuff and then just try not to mess it up. Just right. Right. Do good stuff and make good decisions. Kind of like but, a put your head down and run the play kind of situation of just like yeah. all all I need to do is is present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's that's got to be an amazing feeling because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I think p people don't really understand from from a chef's perspective of what it's like like cooking in the city sometimes mm -hmm. where like you just you have to do so much to make something delicious because you just don't have access especially yeah. in minnesota yeah where you know in the especially middle in, of, in the middle of winter e even if you're doing really seasonally thing seasonal things unless you're doing like fermentation or you, mm -hmm. you know you have some kind of dry age program set up you're you're working with food that you've never seen yeah. you it, it could be from anywhere yeah. really you know mm -hmm. even the even the more expensive stuff it's mm -hmm. like well we did our best yeah and yeah. so like you're you're stuck trying to like climb up this huge hill mm -hmm. and so like cooking out here just has to be i mean just a joy for you right yeah absolutely. And just with all the animals too yeah cooking right next to the chicken i know i kind of feel bad for them today right <laughs> yeah there is <laughs> we're gonna bit, we're gonna cook their i just cousins. keep on going towards the chicken <laughs> right I'm like, hey, there what's going on over there guys <laughs> <laughs> oh well well that's another thing we uh, we talked to scott a little bit about mm -hmm. is like i think it's a, a good opportunity for people to um actually like see the animals right because a lot of people just don't they don't make that mental connection mm -hmm. uh with with uh, like this is th these are the animals that i'm eating yep it's it's just a just a steak they yep. say steak and when they think of steak they don't think of a cow but here you can't escape it yeah the disassociation with where food comes from has been a, uh something that i've been very passionate about reversing and i always say if i went to college i would have gone for food history which would make me no more money yeah. but you yeah. know but at least you would know yeah the knowledge you would yeah. find so i read a lot sure. yeah. but um i also Ooh, this was probably like 10 years ago now I raised backyard chickens because I wanted to know and actually my house my first house was blocks from corner table oh, okay. Scott owned it so I was that 
like nerdy kid showing up at his back door with like two dozen eggs. You want these? Can you use them? Yeah. Right. Come on in. He jumped on it. Let's hang out and and cook some food and drink some coffee. So yeah. Awesome. Um, But it gave me so much respect for the process of making food and where it comes from. And I mean, I was in that coop every single day and I only had five chickens. So. (laughs) Yeah. Can you even imagine? I, it's kind of my dream, you it's know. It's mine too. Oh god, oh. and I do tiny living too. So so like, do we. So I, do we. Cool. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah, yeah we yeah. have a little four hundred square foot house. Cool. So. Excellent. I have a hundred and fifty square foot uh, pull behind trailer. And that's, do you? Oh yeah. my god, I want to talk yeah. so much more about yeah. this. Yeah, but. and then I have my thirty foot trailer. That's my eventual retirement. Oh my god, uh, I cabin. have so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited right now. Yeah. No, this is what he's all about. Yeah. No, no, yeah. No, yeah. Absolutely what he's so all about. Someday yeah. just yeah. being able to, especially with like how crazy the world's getting, you know, there are oh, no well, crazy whole, ideas. No. But raising your own food and being able to survive off of what you can produce. I think and, that's the whole thing. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. that's what's so great about this is mm-hmm. that you're actually seeing stuff being grown and also consume mm-hmm. yeah. it's all it's all together right in a row right mm-hmm. in front of and your it's face right here there. this yep. is such a cool experience we're yeah so excited. it really is yeah yeah we're so excited to be it's here it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. all right uh steph we're gonna we're gonna cut this uh portion of the interview off cool. and this will this will go on youtube and then uh the second portion of the interview we're gonna put on our patreon if that's cool with you cool yeah, yeah totally sounds good yeah. um so tell us a little bit about yourself introduce yourself uh, I am Trey Hardy. Uh, a little bit about me is um, I am from Chicago originally. Uh, been in the cities now probably 13, 14 years. Awesome. Um, I uh, let's see. Um, did you cook in Chicago? I did. So I cooked in Chicago um, at uh, a couple places. One being the Drake Hotel in Chicago. Okay. Uh, and then moved from there for culinary school in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, um, wow. to school there, and then moved to Vegas after that. So, ah, Vegas. Wow. Yep, yeah, uh, in Vegas, uh, I um, cooked at the Ritz Carlton. Did uh, worked for a company that uh, is run by a chef named uh, Andre Roche. He has, oh, he had about five different French high-end restaurants down there. So, I cooked at about three of them. One being on top of the Palms. Okay. and then the Monte Carlo Hotel we had Andres at the Monte Carlo both are two Michelin stars so oh wow yeah wow from there well, moved here yeah you yeah. outrank us you, yeah you yeah. outrank us congratulations <laughs> uh, <laughs> no that's awesome that's yeah. amazing that's, awesome. Yeah. that's amazing so why did, uh, how'd you end up in Minnesota uh, so um, we just I'm from the Midwest I wanted to get back to the Midwest be a little bit close to my family mm-hmm. yeah um, and uh just happened to be kind of be looking at um, what was up and coming. Uh, I didn't really want to go back to Chicago right away to cook. Right. Um, so I was kind of, you know, talking to some people, and one of the recommendations was the Twin Cities, and um, I found it to be like an up and coming dining scene. And so I thought, oh, that'd be great to be a part of that. So it was cool to get back here and start working. Uh, um, I took a job with uh, Alex Roberts at Alma. And okay. Worked yep. at, uh, Rasa opened the St. Paul location there. Oh, really? As awesome. Sous chef there, and then left there, went to Cosmos uh, uh, at the Graves Hotel back then, uh, and that was kind of where I got into a little bit more of molecular gastronomy and that kind of stuff. Fun. Um, left there, went to Heartland after a few years. Oh, Heartland, was nice. In Heartland with yeah. Lenny Russo, yeah. and uh, um, really found my passion there for uh, farm-to-table cooking. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's kind of underrated when it comes to that uh, being a driving force and bringing that to the cities. Right. Um, after we finished up there, um, I went to work for the executives at 3M. Uh, so I was kind of their chef, and I worked there for seven years. And then I recently, about a year and a half ago, uh, took a position with the Timberwolf. So being oh. a chef there. So awesome. Yeah. Wow. So. Um, how are you feeling about the whole uh, COVID? Like, how has that affected your career? Uh, do you think that, um, well, I guess the Timberwolves are probably aren't even uh, super I'd affected. I don't know what the deal is with them, but um, do, you, do you see that your career is going to be moving in a, in a new direction now that COVID has happened? Are you going to be doing more farm-to-table pop-up stuff, or are you, are you thinking about staying with the Tims? 
Um, so right now, obviously, there's nothing going on at the arena. There we, isn't, we right? We have no shows. I no, didn't think so. Nothing. Right. Uh, so right now, I'm kind of just uh, hanging out at home. We're yeah. doing most of the uh, menu prep for what we hope will be next season. Right. Uh, a lot of the club prep and uh, the club I kind of oversee at the arena is uh, the Lexus Courtside Club. Uh, so right now, we're trying to figure out different ways that we can approach that with uh, with the current situation that we're in with COVID. So uh, we usually do kind of big tables with a lot of food right. on them. And so now we have to rethink that and figure out how can we, you know, serve 400 people in one club and do it safely and uh, really the appearance of safety because we cook, yeah. you know, chefs cook safely for the most part, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but I think people have an expectation of what they want to see and yep. uh, that's kind of what we're working on right now. So I don't know that it'll really change what I do as far as cooking. I've always kind of, it's what I do. So if I am not with the Timberwolves next year, You'll I'll be, be cooking, cooking somewhere. somewhere. Right, so, right, right. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, have have you been doing a lot of the pop-ups since you've been off from from COVID? Have you been doing like a lot of this kind of stuff uh, over the summer? No, no, no. Uh, this is the first uh, thing that I've done. I think uh, we stopped going into the arena in April. Yeah. And, okay. Um, from there, I've kind of just been hanging out at home, uh, yeah. working in my garden, and that's pretty much it. Like most um, of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a pop-up series that I do personally. It's called Ophelia. I've been doing in the cities for about uh, four or five years. I think I've yeah I've yeah. heard of it for sure. Yeah, I have too. I didn't know. I, so that's yours. Yeah, that's mine. Wow. Um, so I, I the last one I did was uh, at Octo Fish Bar in Lower Town. Uh, yeah. And that was uh, the end part of last year. So. Yeah, I think that's where I actually where I heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I haven't been able to to get out and try it, yeah. but you yeah. know. Um, well, that's that's super cool. What are you going to be making today? Uh, today I did a braised uh, five slice braised five spice braised pork shoulder mm. Yum. Uh, with peaches. Some of these really good fucking pumped. Yeah, these, these peaches are so sweet. Uh, I, I'm sure Steph mentioned them because she's been eating them. No, she <laughs> hasn't. No, she oh, has. so she she yeah. prob- that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, actually. that's it. Keep it on the low. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, I got that, and we did a, a whole grain mustard demi glaze with it and some pickled ramps so it should be pretty tasty mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah um so just a quick question it sounds like you have like a heavy heavy french background mm-hmm. uh do you consider yourself a classically french trained chef only or do you really branch out into a lot of other mm, cultural because um, like for instance i i cook i tend to fuse french techniques and greek food French techniques um, and Latin American food, and that's just kind of what I've grown up with. Do you? I guess my main question is, what other um, cultures do you really uh, rely on for your cooking? Well, mine. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, growing up in a uh, black household, uh, we a lot of our influences come from the South, uh, and so in my Ophelia pop-ups, those are what's kind of the focus. Um, I take a lot of, Ophelia is my grandmother, um, so I take a lot of her recipes and a lot of the ways she cooked and uh, try to use uh, training that I've received to clean those dishes up and make them a little bit more, um, uh, what do you say, use, make those uh, Kind of like elevated a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't want to say I want to elevate my grandma's cooking because I can't right. really do that. Right, right, right. Make but it, like make it dress it up. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. dress it up because yeah. it's like that's that's the thing is like the cook, the it's already there and it's already perfect the way yeah. that it is, but people have that like glamorized sense of what a dish should look like right. and that's what you that that's all you need to do with Correct. it it's just like kind of turn it into that yeah i think modernize is another good way to yeah. say it but that's yeah. usually what we say when we're, we're talking about elevated food right. Right? right like like uh you know i worked at it's greek to me for mm-hmm. for years and uh the 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 guy grew up on the cobblestones of thessalonica right and it's like his dishes were the best food that I've ever tasted, mm-hmm. right? But it it all was very, you know, rustic, one yeah. one color, yeah. very rustic. And yeah. then all you had to do was kind of like make it a little higher and tighter. Yeah. And then, you know, pop some color, do a couple garnishes, and it looked like, you know, two yeah. Michelin star food. Yeah, I think, too, I think 
you know, uh, obviously my grandmother didn't have any formal training. Right. Um, and I think sometimes when you understand how food should act, uh, there's ways to elevate the flavors that may not have shown through back then. So right. a lot of the food that is involved in Southern cooking to me uh, can be overcooked a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they don't really kind of, you know, it's not a real big belief in, um, say, uh, filet, uh, if you were cooking a filet, to undercook that. Right. So it would, a lot of times it would be very, very well done. Um, when you understand flavor and how that works, uh, then you how the proteins right. change and, and all that. You, yeah. So you understand what where's the, where's that stage that I can get the most flavor from this product that I'm using, yep. um, and so I think those are kind of the uh, training uh, things that I picked up that I, uh, you know, try to put onto my my food that I grew up eating. So uh, also I mentioned Cosmos earlier, but. Um, there was a really uh, most of the food that we did there was very modernist cooking um, used a lot of scientific methods it's kind of similar to Alinea in Chicago Okay. Uh, so a lot of our uh, techniques there uh, were based in science and yeah. how can we use um, food science to uh, get the best result as well right. and maybe change the uh, appearance of it but still get the same classic flavor that you may get say from a hollandaise but instead we use like a, a you know kind of break it down to its basic form and then build it back up uh, and, and uh, so yeah a lot of a lot of that kind of training there um, a lot of sous vide food and those kind of things yeah yep. yeah um, I'm I'm gonna cut us off right here this this portion of the interview will be free and everybody can see it on YouTube and then let's let's go a little bit deeper into some of the molecular gastronomy with the second half of the interview available on our patreon awesome sweet